I think all of us in this room, we have some things that are unresolved in our life, and we've allowed these unresolved issues to make our life more complicated than God has really desired for it to be. Life was once easy. Anybody remember those days? And when we started out in life, it was fairly simple, wasn't it? But things happened. Uh, We've gone through life. We've experienced emotional wounds, relational wounds. We've wounds of betrayal, of deception, wounds of abandonment. Uh, Someone you've trusted uh, has let you down, and there's been abuse. There's been physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional, mental abuse. There's been maybe an unspeakable sexual abuse that's happened in your life. Your, your parents' marriage has blown up, and, and you don't understand it. Your marriage is blowing up, and, and you found out now you, you can't control it. And maybe, maybe in your life it's a moral wound. You've done some things that you know you shouldn't have done. You've said some unspeakable things to some people that you should have never have said. Or maybe, maybe it was something that you knew you should have done and you just didn't carry it through. And, and now it's too late and now there's heavy regret. Maybe that baggage is a sin. And every time you come before the Lord and you confess that sin, you still feel guilty. Uh, because you're reminded of it and it pushes you further away from God. And, and now you feel shame and, and, and you feel a kind of guilt there. We've all carried, well, we've all carried baggage. We all do. And as a pastor, here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that everyone carries baggage, that we, we all have some kind of baggage in our life, and it's time just to kind of let it go, just to get it out of our lives. But I can understand why some of us don't. I can understand that the reasons why we hold on to this stuff, it's because for, for most of the part, it's, it's made us who we are. And I think in some ways it's good, and in other ways it's, it's bad. I mean, some of the junk that, that you carry has propelled you to do some things that you would have never have been able to do otherwise. It's been able to push you further than you've been able to go. But for most of us in this room, this weight that we carry uh, has stopped us from doing greater things and having greater potential with our future. It's reminded us of our past and the things that we've been anchored to, this baggage that weighs us down. And I I think we've come so accustomed to carrying this baggage and this stuff that we say things like, hey God, I know you'll never take this from me because I understand what I've done is so terrible that this is like a penance now. That this is like like a, a thorn in my flesh that I've got to carry with me. Or we say things like, you know, God will never be able to make a way in the mess I've made. He'll never be able to do something good through what seems so terrible. And this baggage, this baggage can crush our spirits. It could totally distort the true reality, the reality that God has the power to give us some kind of better future. It destroys our optimism. It destroys our faith that God can really do something greater than what we think he can even do amongst ourselves. From the beginning of time, you know, God has focused his attention on a group of people, a group of people that loved him and recognized him as the true and living God. These were called the Hebrew people. Sometimes they're called the nation of Israel, and that group of people had a close relationship with God until at some point they would say, you know what, God, we're going to do it our way because we feel that our way is better than your way. And when they did, they found that their way only got them into trouble and multiplied their life with a lot of, a lot of baggage. And they would rebel against God. And when they did, they got hurt. 
And there was a time in their life that that you can read about, a point in their history in Isaiah chapter 43, where they are so burdened with life, they are so cut down by what has taken place in their life, and so they feel that they've been defeated in all that they've done. And they live a life that makes them a life filled with defeat. They no longer have high expectations for themselves. They have very low expectations. They feel like they've, they're losers in life. And since they feel like they're losers, they feel like they were born losers. And if their situation could never be changed, that's how they feel because of what they've done in the past to harm God and to harm other people. And they thought, you know what, we've been labeled this part as losers. We might as well live up to that labeling. And friends, let me tell you, the Israelites, they played the part of loser very well. And you can read throughout the scriptures how the Israelites had messed up time and time again and how God would bring them back and forgive them and show some grace and show them clearly that they're not born losers, that they're uniquely loved by God and that they, in fact, have a great future that God has planned for them despite their baggage. And when the prophet Isaiah ministered to Israel, there were a period of time where they couldn't do anything right. They were were plagued by their past and they had all this baggage that they carried around. So God comes in and he uniquely and supernaturally intervenes into their life. And here's what he said in Isaiah 43, starting in verse 18. He says, forget the former things and don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something completely new. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You see, they're in a place in life where they believed there was no way. They'd created such a mess that they didn't believe that God could provide a way through the mess. And they believed that God couldn't do anything anything spectacular in their life because they had too much baggage that was weighing them down. And you might be wondering, can God use you? Or do I have too much baggage in my life? You know, God has demonstrated his power over our problems time and time again in the scriptures. And friends, let me tell you something. He can make a way when there seems to be no way. That's our God. So if your baggage seems oversized or if it seems chained to you and you can't seem to unescape it, then I've got news, good news for you today. God can make a way even though your past may be burdening you down. You see, God's word says, the Lord is there to rescue all who are discouraged and have given up hope. And you're here today. You're here, to, you're here today to hear a word from God. Let me tell you what God says to you today. He says, I haven't given up on you. He says to you, I haven't given up on you. And I'm asking you as a pastor to stay with this series of sermons because I know there's a temptation to kind of excuse yourself for a few months because the topics that we're going to, for a few weeks, because the topics we're going to discuss uh, maybe have have hurt you, they've wounded you. For some in this room, the topics we'll discuss have destroyed a life. And there's that hesitancy. Do I come back because it's just gonna bring up more hurt? It's just gonna bring about more shame? Well, the temptation will be to skip out and not to claim your baggage. To kind of walk away from it and just say, it's something I have to deal with rather than handing it to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And I'm not here to discuss your baggage so that you'll hurt again. 
I'm not here to discuss the, the burdens in your life so that you'll face the pain and the shame all over again. My goal is to bring healing in the powerful name of Jesus. That's my goal as a pastor. And I want to point you to the one that can bring complete healing, but also can bring to you indescribable peace when we drop off our baggage and check it to him. I don't know if this is true, but I'm told that the most severe pain in life is between two different pains, physical pains. The, the most physical suffering we can endure is, is kidney stones and childbirth. Now, I'm not true, sure if that's true or not, uh, and I'm not here really to judge which pain is worse uh, because when you're the one that's hurting, you should never tell someone who's in their pain that their pain is more minimal than someone else's. I heard a doctor empathize with a person who was under his care by saying, there's no minor surgery if you're the patient. That's true. I mean, regardless of what you've been told about your baggage, like someone might have told you, get over it. Like, just get over this. Or maybe someone had said to you, you know, I don't understand what the problem is. If I endure, if I had to go through what you went through, I would have just dropped it off a long time ago. It seems so insignificant. But let me tell you something. Your pain that you're experiencing and this baggage, this weight that you're carrying is very, very real. It's real to you and it's meaningful to God. And, and, and I would say to you, why would you allow the pain to remain and receive nothing from the pain. Because that's what happens when we just decide to carry this weight around of this baggage. You see, those who experience kidney stones, anybody in here has recognized that there's nothing that you get from the pain that you endure. You just get hurt and you get a story to tell. That's it. But those that have endured the pains of childbirth, you get a joy that outlasts all other joys and it's a continual joy and that pain brings about something of lasting joy even to the point where some women say, hey honey, let's, let's do that again. And we can't, let, we can't let this baggage make us bitter. You see, we serve a God that can transform this baggage into something better. And after we finish this series, I hope you walk out of here saying something like this. God has done something completely amazing through my baggage that I've handed over to him. And it's not what I wanted for myself. I didn't want this for myself, but God has done something awesome through it. So I'm asking you to stick, stick to it. Stick to this series and let the great physician do the needed surgery in your life as you take some steps to hand over this baggage to him. Now, there are a few things that I'd like for us to do today uh, to prepare for the next few sermons that are to come in this month of October. Number one, I'd like you to acknowledge that we all carry some kind of baggage. All of us. No one is exempt from it. If you've ever been to a support group, uh, typically that group begins with an acknowledgement of who they genuinely are. Like, for example, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, they start the group by introductions, and someone will stand up and say, my name is, and I am an alcoholic. Or someone who, who is supporting will say, my name is, and my daughter is an alcoholic. It's an acknowledgement that healing begins when they are truthful to themselves and honest with others. That I'm not going to hide I'm not going to lie about my condition or my baggage. Friends, today the request is not that you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I've got some baggage, can I share it with you? 
It's more than likely that's not going to happen. Now, maybe for a few of you, confession might be good for the soul. And maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it's a, a phone call that needs to be made or a letter that needs to be written, something that needs to be confessed. And, and maybe that, that, will, that will take away the sourness of carrying this weight. But for most of you, the request is, would you just come before God and acknowledge that you have some baggage? Not, not that, God, will you fix it? Not, God, will you take it from me? Just first, just would you acknowledge, God, I've got this in my life? You know, the Bible says about King David that David was a man after God's own heart. Yet this man of God did some incredibly nasty things in his life. And he created for himself some baggage that he never really broke free from. Like his notorious set of luggage that he carried was his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And then from there, he tried to put that aside and to hide that piece of baggage by killing her husband Uriah. And so the baggage just continued and now he has a full set of luggage on his hands. Did you know that his adult children tried to kill him? I mean, that's a messed up kind of family. There's a lot of baggage in this guy's life. Yet he felt all that shame. He felt all the guilt and all the burden that goes along with carrying the baggage that we've got. And it wasn't until he acknowledged his sin and just said, God, I've got baggage, that he felt the release when he finally got honest with God and truthful with himself and said, hi, my name is God, I've got some baggage. Here's what he said in the Psalms. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All the guilt is gone. So the request is like David exemplified, acknowledge simply to God that, that we've got some baggage in our life that's un, undealt with, hasn't been checked. Here's the second thing I'd like for you to do is ask God to restore what's been lost. Ask God to restore what's been lost. Forbes magazine released a survey that ranked the biggest regrets we have in life as Americans. They listed the number one regret, regret as working so much at the expense of family and friendships. There is a ton of guilt that goes along with that because time can never be regained. There's no undo button when it comes to our time. And the article also listed a regret that most of us have, and that is not burying the hatchet with a family member or with a close friend. You know, Native Americans would symbolically bury a tomahawk in the ground when they desired peace with another tribe. It was a way to say, no more war, no more bloodshed. We're burying the hatchet. Never to recover it, to wound one another again. Most of us regret, I think, not seeking peace with somebody. Not seeking forgiveness for those in our life who have offended us and also for those in our life who we have, who we have offended. I think the list of regrets, it goes on and on. I mean, Forbes magazine had a list that went on and on. I think the saddest summary of life contains three descriptions. I could have, I might have, and I should have. And there's some regrets in life that we, we can make right, and we can do it today. I mean, you can could, you could make the phone call, you could write the letter, you could shake the hand, you could bury the hatchet today, but there are, some, there are some things in our life, some things of baggage that we have to bury the hatchet on, or we can't go back, and we need some supernatural intervention. We need God to do something supernatural, maybe to soften a heart, 
or, or maybe just to relieve the guilt or the shame. We're going to have to have him come in a miraculous way to restore what's right in our life and take away the regret. You know, in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, God's people, once again, the Hebrews, find themselves in calamity, and it was brought on by their own stupidity. They willfully pushed God out of the picture. They said, God, we want to live how we want to live. We want to live how we feel. And it turned out bad for them, of course. And it doesn't get right till they come back to their senses and come back to God. And they looked over their life without God and they said, how could we be so careless and thoughtless? And they recognized that at the center of it all was themselves. They were self-centered and they wanted what they wanted in the moment. But when they did so, it created a lot of baggage. And they recognized they couldn't fix this mess and they needed God to do something supernatural to fix the mess or to make a way when they thought there wasn't a way in Deuteronomy chapter 30 it tells us this God your God will restore everything you've lost he'll have compassion on you he'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you where you were scattered like you're broken and you've broken some things down and and you're scattered all around and you're not whole anymore and God says I'll come back and make you whole and then it goes on to say God your God will cut away the thick calluses on your heart and your children's hearts freeing you to love God your God with your whole heart and soul and live I mean really live that there's going to be some hurts in life that only god can restore and you're going to have to welcome him into your life so that he can do something very supernatural something that you can't do on your own and you're going to have to say god would you restore what's been lost in all my time of holding on to this would you pick up the pieces that have broken along the journey of my life and put it back together and you know what god tells us god tells us for i am the lord your God who takes hold of your right hand, and he's going to walk with us and says to you, do not fear. Let's say this together. I will help you. He hasn't given you baggage as a penance. He hasn't given you baggage as your lot in life. He says, I want to walk this journey with you. I want to help you pick up the pieces. I want to break down the calluses of your heart. I want to help you remove this bag. This is a weight that you were never intended to carry. Would you check your baggage to me, God says? Here's the third thing I I hope we do as we prepare for the next few weeks, and that is to ask God for release, that we can just finally loosen our grip on this stuff and let it go and hand it over to God and be done with it. You, you, You... you know, you'll, you'll never let go of the baggage in your life if you never ask God to take it from you. And I, I guess I can understand why some of us don't let God intervene. We think we can solve it ourselves. But I, I know there's a variety of reasons why we don't ask God for help. I think number one, it's sin. Number one is sin that holds us back from saying to God, take, take my baggage. Isaiah 59 says, it's your sin that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and he will not listen to you anymore. And with sin comes shame. It comes guilt. And we say, God, I'm not worthy even to ask you to take this away from me. Actually, God, I I deserve this because I feel that I deserve it because that's what guilt and shame does. It makes us feel like this is something that God is punishing us with. And so we, when we feel shame, we typically push ourselves away from God because we don't feel that we're loved and we, we only create a greater chasm 
in the relationship that we have with him. How about ignorance? Ignorance keeps us from releasing our baggage to God. In the book of Hosea, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, meaning we're so overcome with with uncertainty that we don't know enough about God to really understand that he can take away this weight. He can take away these burdens. You know, before David became a king, he was just a boy. And in his youth, he was confronted with a giant named Goliath. Goliath was totally insulted that the Israelites would push a young boy out in front of him to the field of battle to fight him. However, David wasn't ignorant of God's power. David recognized that God is strong, even though he is undersized. And even though David was weak, he understood that God was the strength behind his sling. And David entered the battle knowing full well that God could overcome any giant he ever faced. God has the power to overcome your giants. Don't be ignorant of God's power. I think sometimes unbelief, though, gets in the way. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that when Jesus went back to his hometown, the people were amazed at his teaching. They were astonished by his miracles they witnessed. Um, But they just didn't see him as the Son of God. He was a trickster. He He was an entertainer. Matthew's Gospel says, and so Jesus did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So these people that were critically ill, these people that were... Uh, disabled from birth they came to Jesus and they left Jesus the same way they came because of their unbelief they they left the presence of the great physician who could have healed them but because of their unbelief they walked away crippled diseased and stuck in their ailment don't let that be you I think prayerlessness keeps us away from checking our baggage over to Christ. Jesus taught that we should always pray, that we shouldn't give up talking to him. But I think so, so often we try to find the solution to our problems in solitude. And we, we make prayer our last resort rather than our first response. We problem solve without tapping into God's power. Corey Tim Boom, I love what she had to say about prayer. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is it the thing that directs your life or is it the thing that you you go to when life is broken down on you? And Jesus, Jesus told a group of believers that there was an importance to living and relying on him. And then he said to them, you know, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. When we pray, we're not just uttering words out into the atmosphere just so that the trees and the breeze can hear it. We're saying words to an almighty God that has control over the whole cosmos and who has control over a supernatural realm. Don't hold on to your baggage because you desire not to cry out to the Lord in prayer. I'd also like us for us to prepare in such a way to, to walk away from our baggage and, and never return to it. Okay, the scripture that has like really driven this series into existence is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. It's something that I wish we would all um, 
attempt to memorize. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has a path. He's got a lane for you to run on, but yet we allow sin to hinder us and entangle us. And, and usually that sin is some kind of baggage that we have in life. One translation puts it like this. Let us strip off every weight. Every weight. The word hinder is the word for weight that slows us down. Let us get rid of our baggage because it's just slowing us down as we try to run this race that God has marked out for us. So what in the world is it, what does it look like to drop your baggage off? To, to check it. What, is it? what does it feel like just to get rid of this weight that you're carrying around? Well, in the Old Testament book of Genesis, which is filled, by the way, with men, women, and children that had so much baggage, all kinds of baggage. In that book, there's a a, a long story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. They're twins. And Jacob had cheated his brother Esau out of a lot of money. He basically stole the inheritance that dad was going to give them. If you want to destroy any kind of relationship, you let money get in between you. If you want to destroy a relationship with family, you just start squabbling over the inheritance and, and you're, going to destroy, you're going to blow that relationship apart. And that's what took place. And it nearly goes without saying that Esau is mad, right? He doesn't have the money that dad was promising him in the birthright. He is so mad, in a matter of fact, that he pronounces that the next time he sees Jacob, Jacob's going to be a dead man. So Jacob runs away. He's like totally afraid because his brother's this big hairy man that knows how to fight and knows how to kill. And Jacob's this little girly man that has soft hands and loved his mother and didn't know how to be a true man. And so he runs to the desert and they stop talking to each other. Like they say, we're not gonna call on holidays. We're not gonna go to family reunions. We're not gonna go to family weddings because we might see one another. And their anger turns into resentment. And so they live that way. They live like they're dead to one another. For decades, this happens. And they carry this baggage for decades. And then, then it comes to the point where they can't avoid each other any longer. Like they're gonna see each other sooner or later. And the point comes when that happens. And, and the day comes where they finally have to meet up and they have to open up the baggage that they've been carrying for most of their adult lives. Decades of carrying the baggage and Jacob's completely scared. Esau has made it clear if they see one another, Jacob's a dead man. Jacob's waiting in the place where they're to meet and he recognizes that on the horizon there's a dust storm coming, but it's 400 of Esau's fighting men. They're armed to the teeth. And he's scared because Jacob's traveling with just his family, a large caravan of his family. Then he recognizes they're so vulnerable. And so he tells, he tells the women, would you hide the children? Make sure they find a place of security. He doesn't want the children to be killed. And so he decides, I'm going to make some time so that they don't get to the caravan quick. And he, he steps out in front of the caravan to meet Esau quicker. And he doesn't know if this is going to be a moment of forgiveness or a moment of death, but either way, he knows he's going to be relieved of his baggage. So here's what happens. Genesis 33, verse 3. The meeting takes place, and he himself, Jacob, went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother Esau. Like in a total act of humiliation, he bows and he recognizes that all this running is, is going to come to an end right here. And verse 4 tells us, uh, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. Uh, he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and, and they wept. And then there's this amazing moment of 
reconciliation and connection. Esau looks over the caravan and sees these scared, frightened children. He says, are are these your kids? (laughs) And Jacob says, yeah, these these are the the children that God has blessed me with. And, And for the first time, Esau gets to meet his nieces and his nephews. And there's, in this one moment, a day of reunion, of of reconciliation. It's a day of relief. They've like put aside their baggage and they've set it down. And there are a couple words I think we need to, to understand as we move through this series together. A couple words, here they are. Forgiveness and grace. Forgiveness and grace is what's needed most if you want to resolve the issues of your past. If you want to let go of your baggage, you need to understand forgiveness and grace. There's a little boy who was in Jacob's caravan that day. One of Jacob's sons. He watched all this unfold. He watched this incredible act of forgiveness and grace. And I'm sure that boy heard all the frightening stories of Uncle Esau. And he knew the stories scared his dad. Children have an, a deeper understanding about what scares parents. And that day he watched his father, Jacob, humble himself before his uncle And he watched as his uncle ran towards his dad and gave him a great big hug. And as they wept together, and as his his dad got to introduce him finally for the first time to his uncle, and that little boy took it all in, and that little boy's name was Joseph. And one day, although he never anticipated it, Joseph would have to live life with all sorts of terrible baggage in his life. Joseph's brothers, you see, were eventually get so angry with him that they would fake his death and they would sell him into slavery. And God would never give up on Joseph. And, and the amazing thing about Joseph's story is Joseph never gave up on God. He never wavered from faith. Joseph could have been bitter towards his brothers, but he wasn't. I mean, being sold into slavery has got to leave you with some baggage, right? Some terrible resentment was there in his life. And And he was going to allow God to work through this baggage. You know, Joseph ultimately became the second most important man in all of Egypt. And a couple of decades went by where Joseph carried this baggage. And his brothers would come to Egypt and they would would stand before Joseph and they would have to ask for food because there was a famine in the land. And by this time, Joseph had been like imprisoned. He had been in all sorts of nasty situations. And his face was no longer recognizable to them as their brother. He had changed so much in the, in the two decades and Joseph decided to test them when he met them. He tested them to see if they were really sorry for what they'd done. And he found out they were really sorry for what they had done. They were sincerely sorry. And we read about what happens next. Here he is face to face with his brothers. He has all this baggage in his life for what they'd done to him. And in Genesis 45 it says, Since Joseph could no longer control his feelings in front of his servants... He sent them out of the room. It like would have been an embarrassment. When he was alone with his brothers, he told them, I'm Joseph. It's me, see? Then he cried out so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and told about it in the king's palace. Like his brothers were so afraid that Joseph was going to bring the hammer down on him and put him to death. I mean, they all have baggage. And, And in this one moment, Joseph could have said, you know, it's justifiable that I kill you. You've given me this baggage in life. I've got so much vengeance pinned up and it's right for me to destroy your life like you destroyed mine. But that day, 
The burden that Joseph felt was for forgiveness and grace and not for bitterness. It was a moment that he could finally say, I'm going to release this baggage. I'm going to take this weight off of my shoulders. I'm going to give it over to God. And he had this profound, driven understanding about what God could do with his baggage. And here's what he says, you, you intended to harm me with this, but God intended this to be a good thing for me. You planned evil, and I had to carry around this stuff. But God intended that something great come out of it. You see, God has redeemed my life using my own baggage. And when it comes to the baggage in life, Joseph sets the example on how to deal with it. Give it over to God. Let God do some good with it. Let God redeem your baggage. I say to God, this was meant to hurt me. You know, in far too long, I've allowed it to hurt me. God, I now give you this, this baggage that has hurt me, expecting that you do something good with it. And you take this baggage and you lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ and you nail it to the cross of Christ where it belongs. For this is where we check our baggage.